Welcome back to the Balancing Act. Dr. Andrew Tempty here, President, Global Head of Corporate Learning. There he is. You can see him on screen. Those listening, we appreciate you downloading the podcast. We are going to talk about ego and empathy today. Uh, the emotional quotient, the emotional intelligence uh, around uh, work and, and corporate life. If you haven't listened to the previous six episodes or watched the previous six episodes, I highly recommend going back and listening because we're laying the foundation towards uh, the eighth and ninth episode as well in comparing and contrasting these different traits that you may have and that you can tap into as you work your way up in the corporate world. Now, Andy, we've focused so much on the good kind of ego. We've defined what that is a few different times. How does empathy, how does this overarching topic get us to where we are in episode seven? We, we've built up to this point. What do you see as the comparison here and the balancing act? And then we can dive in a little further. Yeah, so this this episode is in some senses uh, a destination for us. It's, uh, it's a landing point where, where it all really starts to come together. Uh, and I, I think it's important to start uh, with the with the definition of of empathy and contrast that with sympathy. Uh, so if if I'm empathetic, uh, I feel for you. If I'm sympathetic, I feel with you. And that difference of for you and with you, uh, another way to think about it is uh, if. I can only really be sympathetic with you if I've walked that mile in your shoes. If I have experienced something substantially similar to what you're what you're going through, and you know, as you might imagine, that is more rare than it than it is common. Uh, so this concept of empathy, especially for leaders who, as they're rising in the organization, are taking on not, not only more and more responsibility, but they need to shift gears much more rapidly uh, through, throughout the day. Uh, you're going to experience so many things uh, and so many people interactions that, this, uh, that, 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 that really understanding uh, empathy how, and how to, uh, how to kind of swing into action uh, in one situation, and this is where situational awareness uh, right. comes comes into play, right? So you're you're constantly going through throughout the day, and you have these uh, think of them as antenna that that are up uh, at all times, reading the room, uh, understanding uh, how individuals might be feeling and how that might be in uh, interacting with their work, so that you can be the best possible boss uh, you can be in that moment for that individual or for that team, knowing what they're going through. There's so many cliches come to mind, but uh, it's not one size fits all, right? We can't approach this as uh, I'm going to be a nice manager to everyone and that's going to be fine. Uh, there are different situations that come up throughout the day, different things that people are dealing with. And uh, we've talked about this previously of you don't necessarily know what's happening at someone's home. Now, we've gotten a lot more intimately involved in people's homes during the pandemic, and we've seen uh, a lot more of their personal life because of Zoom calls and meets and, and teams and all of those different things and get a little you know, lens into people's lives. But how important is it with this empathy to be aware that everyone 
has things going on outside the workplace or outside even that specific call they're on to help you gauge and, and understand how people are coming to work? Yeah, I'll tell a little story. Um, my, my, uh, the bass player in our band is a dear, dear, dear friend of mine. And anyway, his, uh, his wife is immunocompromised. Uh, it's not a big secret uh, that, that, that she is. Anyway, during the pandemic, uh, uh, Ed was up, up north uh, at, his, uh, at his lake home, uh, out traveling around in the, in, in the countryside, actually out for a, a bicycle ride. And, uh, and, and he walks into a bar. No, this isn't a guy walks into a bar joke, okay? Right. But he walks into the bar and nobody in the bar is wearing a mask. And this is in the heat of it last, last summer. And, uh, and, and somebody in the bar confronted him like, like, wow, why are you wearing a mask? We, we, we don't care about, we don't care about this. And, yeah, and this is not a political statement yep. at all. Please, please don't write in and tell me about how you know, the, the whole mask thing. This is a story, right? So, so he's being confronted like this. And he looks a guy in the eye and he says, okay, I don't know you, you don't know me. I don't know if you've got grandma living in the basement and grandma's got cancer. And if you bring it home, she dies. And you don't know if I've got something similar going on in, in, in my life. Right. So it's that ability that, that to me is, is empathy. The, and, you know, this concept of putting a piece of cloth over your face to protect both yourself and your and your community and be thinking about somebody other than yourself right. uh, in in that moment. And that's why, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about narcissism, I'm sure. But but, the, the you know, it, it when you are empathetic, you are not all about yourself. That makes total sense. And I, I will point here empathy can be a learned behavior i think a lot of people uh believe it to be something oh they're just born with it no empathy is something you can learn and the traits you can have to be empathetic to andy's point you know learned behavior versus shared behavior shared experience sympathy is the shared experience being able to feel the same way empathy is being open to you know, learning about and being open to being empathetic. You just mentioned narcissism, which is where I was going to turn to next. And it's this premise of empathy that allows us to be open to the stuff, we'll say, happening in someone else's life, uh, being open to that you may not know everything just on the surface, don't judge a book by its cover, all of those different phrases we can use. What traits do you see as negating or stopping being empathetic? What traits do you see as being the biggest blockers uh, to, to having empathy? Yeah. So it's that, uh, you know, kind of, if we think about narcissism and uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of this uh, phrase and we've used it before, I, I think in, in this podcast, if I point a finger at you, I'm mm -hmm. pointing three back at myself. Um, and, uh, and, 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 you know, I have, I'm going to get vulnerable with you, which is one of the key traits that you need to have uh, in order to be uh, truly empathetic. Uh, I have been, uh, you were talking about learned behavior before, I have been much more on the narcissistic end of the equation in earlier versions of myself. And I have had to learn over time uh, the constructs of mental agility 
and self-awareness and situational awareness and mindfulness. Uh, now, the, the negatives of all of those right. uh, are 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 the are the points that uh, that that uh, that that you you were talking about before. So you know, I had a very fixed mindset previously. Uh, I was and I was a wildly creative uh, uh, individual earlier in my in my career, but had a very fixed mindset. And that fixed mindset was, it was Andy's way or no way. <laughs> and and I would walk into a room, and and I still fail at this today. I failed at it like two weeks ago miserably, uh, and I and I was able to check myself afterwards and learn something from it, thankfully, because uh, that's where I am. In, that's where I am in my journey. Right. But I would walk into a room and expect everybody to be on my wavelength, uh, care about my issues, the things that I wanted to talk about, and the things that were important. And, and now, if we take it away from me and think about the business that I, that I'm running uh, or that you're running, uh, it was all about the needs of the business, the needs of the business all day, every day, bang, 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 bang. And you're just not going to get the best of your team members because at any moment in time, they are in a very different place than you are. Right. And they're in a very different place than you are because some mental trigger just took them off into a, into a different mind space. Uh, you know, somebody in the family might've died, uh, yep. might've just learned that somebody uh, contracted cancer or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So to get the, what, what I had to learn really the hard way was to get the best of the team around me was for me to understand uh, and, and be able to step just a little bit. Not, you don't have to dive into their shoes, but, but just let folks know that, that you care. And uh, as you present that, uh, a learned ability here, there are going to be failures, right? There are gonna be times, you just may mention maybe two weeks ago, and you, you have this head on your shoulders that has learned over your career how to better address these things. How do these failures, we've talked about this previously and we talk about it off this podcast, but how do these failures, I guess what I'm trying to say is how do you learn from these failures? How do you how do you take the, the moments that are not empathetic or are uh, fixed mindset or are narcissistic in a way to turn that crank one more time and maybe just get a, a little bit better at being a manager and being a leader? So I'm, I'm going to make a suggestion here and I don't, expect everybody to pick it up. But uh, a yoga practice, I, I have found personally that a yoga slash mindfulness practice, and they're both, in my opinion, they're roughly roughly the same. One, you're expending a little bit more energy than, right. <laughs> than the other. Uh, but but still, in a, in a yoga practice or a mindfulness practice, you're you're connecting with uh, with with yourself. And the and and your, in, at least in my experience, what I do in in yoga is I, I allow my my mind to really settle and to be thinking about what were the challenges that I faced in the previous week or the previous two weeks or the last time I engaged in in my yoga practice, and just kind of unpack in a very gentle fashion in that self talk. 
with that self-love that we've that we've talked about before uh, to, to to get deeper into uh, how 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 you carried yourself and maybe you had that meeting where things didn't go the way that you expected. Okay, well, let's think about that for a minute. Right. Was that truly all that other gal's uh, fault that the meeting didn't go so well, or was it, or was some of it mine? Uh, you know that that that's the key here. I, I'm glad you brought it back to that self-talk, right? So yoga meditation may not be for everyone, but what it provides is an opportunity for that self-talk. It gives you a a, a venue for it. Uh, so if it isn't yoga or meditation, it's just finding that time for the self-reflection that I think really drives home the point here of what we've talked about previously. Um, I, I will shift gears a little bit here because that's what the next question's about is you're, you're constantly throwing it into neutral, going up to fourth and dropping it back to first and, and trying to meet people where they are, right? You're trying to find the, the right process to be available, to be open, uh, to have the the presence to be empathetic, is that just the the process of resilience? Is that just the the bouncing back up, being part of the world you're in, and, and being accountable and being present? Yeah, re resiliency is uh, is is absolutely key. But I, you know, then pile on to that or connect to that uh, this concept of, of of active listening, and. Uh, and in in my book, I I, I list the six words that uh, that I that I live by. Uh, one is being thoughtful, and uh, the first one in the list is being calm. And I have found that when I when I practice calmness, uh, my my wife is is an equestrian, right? She rides she rides horses. She does dressage. Uh, those of you that don't, don't know what dressage is, we're not going to go off on a tangent and explain it, but there's this concept of the half halt. And it's this almost imperceptible move in the practice of dressage, where the rider is, where the rider basically takes a deep breath, kind of sits back in the saddle, collects themselves and collects the horse for the next move. And that is a mental frame that comes in so handy uh, when I think about moving through my day and needing to bounce between this 15 minutes and that 30 minutes and, and uh, you know, a contentious, uh, con uh, constructively contentious conversation to something that's going swimmingly. You know, how do I, how do I move between those? Take a, take a half halt. And it's, and, and if done correctly, the, the, the audience never never sees never sees that you you do that half halt, but I I I I do the half halt. I think of my I think of being calm, being the calm guy or gal in the room, and letting that kind of wash over over everybody else. I, I love that uh, idea, and I love that it can, if done properly, isn't seen by everybody else. So there is a premise here of of being vulnerable, right? Giving yourself up a little bit and saying, I am empathetic and I can meet you where you are. Uh, but there is also part of being a manager that you give off a, a sense of confidence, not necessarily an air of confidence, but you want people to believe in you and to follow you, right? And to, to 
be on the same page as you. So how how do you be vulnerable and be open uh, without going too far, without without allowing it to erode confidence in your leadership and in your management? Yeah, that that is the art of this of this whole thing, uh, which is the the art of being a leader, the art of being a manager is this shifting of gears, playing different roles uh, in the play that uh, in the production that we're all in, and uh, and certainly being uh, being confident, being decisive, knowing the path and the way. Uh, and 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 asking everyone to follow, uh, and and being the guy or gal who's doing that through actions and words, and not just words. Uh, that's where that's where you get folks to uh, to to climb on board and and follow you into into the next. Uh, you know, in, into the next uh, into the next corporate into the next corporate battle. Later on, not in this series, but you and I, or me and somebody else, we're going to explore the concept of duplicitousness, <laughs> uh, and the need. Probably not me because I can't say that word. But we'll <laughs> figure that out at a later date. Well, I Dan, I, I don't even know if it is a word. I know that duplicitous is a word. Right. I don't know if duplicitousness is a word. But hey, we just made it up, and yep. let's uh, let's contact the Webster's folks and see if we can't get it in there. But you you know, how do you maintain that balance between connecting with your people, building trust, uh, and uh, and and at the same time holding some information back, right. not being fully transparent uh, with, with with everybody at every moment, because that is uh, that is potentially destructive as well. But to get to the specific answer to your question, to me, it all comes down to planning and the North Star and the team environment that you create to develop your long-range plan, your annual plan, and the and the company's north star. That's where the that's where the conflict happens, the constructive conflict. That's where some of the really tough conversations happen. But once that's all established, then it becomes a lot easier. Once that, I'm sorry, once that's established and it's effectively communicated and over communicated, right. then you can start the process of really getting deep with your people, understanding where, where they are and, uh, and balancing the need to be decisive and driving forward uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, and also be, being empathetic. If, the, if everybody doesn't know where we're all going right. and you're just running around being decisive and being, uh, you know, uh, being directive uh, without that North Star, then you're going to lose your, you're, you're definitely going to lose your people and you're not going to be able to, to practice, uh, practice empathy. Empathy won't be genuine in that case. So building a culture, right? Building a culture that people can snap into and understand and, and follow. But I've struggled in my career and we're, we're going to talk next episode about lifelong le learning and we're going to keep building towards episode nine. Uh, but I want to ask one more question about narcissism before we close out. 
I've struggled um, as as much of a, a talker and a ham I I may be uh, with self promotion, right? With with being just narcissistic enough to self promote. So we're, we're, the name of the podcast, and the name of the book, the Balancing Act. You can find it uh, available uh, on any anywhere you you buy books. What's that Balancing Act to be narcissistic enough? Like to 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 have enough uh, self promotion, enough ability to look at yourself and put yourself out there to become that manager to to get that promotion to rise up the ranks without being too narcissistic how, how what is that balancing to you yeah i well i think it to for me it's boiled down to the, the therapy sessions that i've been in and around and uh and and understanding these various constructs uh their benefits and their uh, and and the damage that uh, that each can cause, because as you point out, uh, you know, self certainly self love is is important. Certainly, self promotion is is very very important uh, uh, to all of us. Uh, but it's again, it's it is that balancing act, and and we're going we're going to talk about lifelong learning next. So getting I. I, I believe that the that the that the therapy and the exploration that I've gone through is part of my lifelong learning uh, process. I was purposefully uncomfortable. I learned about things that I that I really hadn't explored before. Yep. And the things that I that that I that I really took away were the uh, were were the 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 things that. I was doing the, the negative connotations of some of these words like, like narcissism and their positive counterparts and being able to uh, take advantage of my narcissistic behaviors and have them be a strength yep. uh, versus, having, uh, versus having them be a weakness. That makes a whole lot of sense. And uh, you mentioned lifelong learning. We're going to talk about that uh, specifically on our next episode here on The Balancing Act. If you are listening for the first time, there are six episodes before this one that sort of build up to where we are uh, on this one. You can find it on all of your major uh, podcasting apps. Also, releasing it over on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe. Feel free to comment, ask questions of Andy. Uh, you can also find, of course, Andy over on LinkedIn. Uh, you'll see uh, plenty of articles coming from him as well. All the suite really supporting uh, the book and supporting uh, the great work uh, Kaplan's trying to do in the corporate learning space and the great work Andy's done there uh, in the past and what will come in the future. But for now, uh, that's it for this episode. Next up, lifelong learning right here on The Balancing Act.